With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, UFC 271 goes down tomorrow night in the Lone Star State, and one of two stories will hopefully be told come the early morning hours of Sunday. Either Israel Adesanya will take another step towards legendary status and likely put his biggest competitive rival behind him for good, or Robert Whitaker will pull off a stunning upset, get a devastating loss back, regain his title, and probably set up a massive trilogy fight in the UFC's middleweight division as we welcome you to the live MMA fighting UFC 271 preview show. Thank you for joining us. I am Mike Hack. As you can see, we have an all-star panel with us here. We got Jose Young's live from Houston. We got Sean Alshadi. We got Mr. No Gray Area himself, Jed Mishu. Jose, let us begin with you, sir, because you are on site. You are in Houston. I'm curious what the vibe is like in H-Town with the fans, the buzz. How were the fans in the press conference? What was that like being there? Are they excited in Houston? Uh, I wasn't really feeling a lot of the the UFC effect until maybe the last, I want to say like 20, 24 hours. I think it was just because like the last two UFC press, like the last two UFC press conferences, especially that Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler one, because remember like Tony Ferguson, Benil Darius were there too. There was not a single empty seat in that entire venue, and it was raucous, and it was loud, and the fans were hyped. That wasn't quite the case. They were obviously really excited for uh, Derek Lewis, and they were all booing Tide Tuivasa, which was a little bit of a surprise, and cheering Izzy and Robert and booing Robert Whitaker. But there was not – there was maybe half the amount of fans in attendance, and I don't – maybe it's just because back then it was in May, and now it's – February and it's it's a little chillier outside now so I wasn't really feeling it at all until after the press oh Jose we lost your audio how about that okay uh we'll go we'll go back (laughs) we'll go back to Jose live tv that's how it works um Sean I want to get your take on this main event because in a weird way it doesn't seem like the first fight between Adesanya and Whitaker happened two and a half years ago, but it was. And we all remember how that card ended. We saw the blistering performance from Adesanya against Whitaker. The undisputed middleweight championship reign of the last style bender began. And for Robert Whitaker, a lot of soul searching, a lot of deep diving mentally, finding his way back mentally into the sport, finding his why in regards to this crazy sport of ours. And while he was doing that, he picked up big wins over Darren Till, Jared Cannonier, and Kelvin Gastelum to get back in the spot. So, Sean, as we're a day away from this rematch, where are your intrigue levels for this one? And what particular part of this fight buildup stands out to you the most? I mean, my intrigue levels for it are certainly high. And and I think the reason for that is the UFC did something very un-UFC for this fight, right? For this rivalry in general. They showed patience. 
They waited. They we never see patience from them. We never see them wait and let things marinate. We always they always throw the immediate rematches out or you know these undeserved rematches, and we just can't get the space to let these these rivalries truly marinate in the way they should. Whereas this one, I've been saying for a while now, this is one of my most anticipated fights of 2022. If you would have booked this fight way back when in 2019 or 2020, right after this first fight when these two men fought, and obviously Izzy won my interest level would have been probably pretty low. Uh, and I am surprised that the UFC didn't do that again, considering how we've seen their booking strategies. Instead, they let it wait. They let Robert Whitaker go out there, recover his mental side. He said, you know, even himself that he was a little, he was a little down going into that one. He was a little overwhelmed. He was a little into the, the, the lead up to that fight. The contentious lead up drew him a little in a little bit and, and, you know, burned him out and just made him not himself. And, you know, we, we saw in his performance, you know, it was a very untypical Robert Whitaker performance in some regards and some I would say it's very typical but nonetheless they let him go they let him fight a couple more times like as you said Darren Till Jared Cannonier, Kelvin Gastelum he was able to refine his mojo we have time now there there is this rematch has officially super intriguing again we've seen Robert Whitaker go to his wrestling much more often since the since that loss uh he's obviously trying to find a different way to approach this fight and we've seen Izzy just continue to be peerless at 185. To me, this is the perfect matchmaking at the perfect time. These are the two best middleweights in this entire division. And I think it's probably a distant third between the, Robert Whitaker and the next guy. Uh, so I'm, I'm pumped. I think this is a, a tremendous fight and I can't wait for it. Jed, it's, it's hard to ask you different things. when We just broke down this fight <laughs> from a million different angles yesterday on BTL. But... You have watched a lot of tape. You feel this fight will be more competitive, but you feel this is a stylistic nightmare for Robert Whitaker and closing the gap completely in between those two fights will be very difficult to do. Now, I want to ask you this because when it comes to the build, Whitaker has seemed very free, right? Very relaxed, very content. It's It's been a pretty, pretty smooth journey to Houston for Robert Whitaker. Adesanya, it's been a little bit different because we've been reporting for weeks now that the UFC announced this fight at UFC 269. We confirmed that Whitaker had signed a bout agreement weeks before that announcement. Adesanya responded with the cap tweet. He was not happy with how the promotion announced this fight. And he said during the media day, which I thought was super fascinating, he didn't even sign a bout agreement for the fight until earlier this week, not like three weeks ago or a month ago. Earlier this week, he put pen to paper for this fight. But on top of that, he gets himself a whole bunch of money in a new multi-fight deal with the UFC. So I'm curious, could all these different factors have any effect on the fight tomorrow night? I'm mean, sure uh, they can. It's it's always He's always going to have the worst position coming in. He beat Robert Whitaker badly the first time. So, I mean, this is the age-old question in combat sports, right? Like, what else can he prove? How can he improve upon his past performance? And he can't really. I know Eugene Behrman, his coach, has said that they want to come out. They uh, He'd like to see a five-round whitewashing of him. And that is certainly more impressive in some ways uh, than, you know, a, an early stoppage that he got the first time. But it's it's not better. It, it's just different. There's no way for him to have a better showing than he did in their first bout. And so that is always going to be in the back of his head and, you know, everybody. That's how this works is I already beat this guy handily. Uh, and it it's really a test. It, this will be a test of Israel Adesanya as a champion. Um, we've talked on a lot of different programs. I hold uh, champions who defend their title over and over again in the highest esteem possible. Like to me, that's the most difficult thing in sports. Uh, because of that, because all the outside pressures that come with it and beating a worthy champion multiple times is is right there at the top of that list on things that are really tough. So I fully expect uh, Adesanya to kind of handle up again. Like I think he's just going to rinse Bobby Knuckles. It, it's just a really tough fight for, for Robert. But him doing so is not going to lower my esteem of, of the accomplishment. Like Robert Whitaker is still clearly the second best middleweight in the world and beating him handily even if the style matchups in your favor is incredibly impressive so uh i will this fight will make me raise my view of israel disenya but i i think he's still going to get it done right like i i think he's going to manage all of these problems pretty pretty competently i haven't heard anything from him this week that has made me think otherwise so i still think the ball is very much in his court we got jose's audio back are we good that would be a no. 
Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> he's, just, he's just window dresser, man. Look at that handsome man. Just I know. Just he's like Randy Costa on BTL yesterday. He doesn't have to say a word, and, and we, we all know. What do you think about this, Sean? Because I don't think this will have a significant impact, but when you're talking about – I mean, just unbelievable what's going on here. But when we talk about this <laughs> level, landline? no, it's you not landline right there. We got people in the house. I'm not AK. I'm not AK. We have. I mean, when we when we're at this level, Sean. Whether it, the I'm, impact I'm sorry, of something, I'm, I'm just stunned by your landline. The fact that you stole it's not the a landline. landline. Like it's you, you and Chuck Minnetall are like the only people. Okay, <laughs> go for it. I got a flip phone and everything. <laughs> Significant impacts in MMA. This probably doesn't have one, but. When we have the top two guys in a division, we have a fight like this. It's a game of inches, and even something so small can change things in a big way. And I feel like this hasn't really been brought up at all when it comes to the fight and, and things that Adesanya has had to go through mentally to get here with the contract and everything. So enlighten me, if you will. Does does this build have any effect on the way you see this fight playing out from an Adesanya perspective, the contract and everything that happened? No, I wouldn't say so. And I've, in fact, I would say not at all. I mean, Izzy seems to be very himself this week. He seems very in a, in a good place. He, it doesn't seem like he's bothered at all by the contract situation outside of the fact that it sort of got out there in the way the fight announcement was, as we've already covered. But the fact that it was unfinished doesn't seem to have bothered him at all. And you see this sometimes with boxing. I mean, it's a lot of times, not a lot of times, but sometimes guys will sign their, their bout agreement the week of. Um, I, it seems like Izzy is very happy with where this whole sort of situation ended up. You know, it does seem like he had a very, he got a very lucrative contract out of it. So maybe he squeezed them just the right amount. Uh, but ultimately I don't see any of this outside stuff affecting the fight. Izzy is one of those guys who is so single-minded and he really seems like he can shut out the noise to, to a pretty incredible degree. I don't think this is going to become bothering him uh, come Saturday. Jed, you broke this fight down on the site. You also have a brand new gambling preview that dropped this afternoon on MMAfighting.com. And looking at the oh, betting lines yeah. right now, that's right. It's good stuff. The line as we speak, Adesanya, big favorite, minus 280. Comeback on, on Whitaker is plus 225, according to our friends over at DraftKings. Are you surprised that the gap is this wide here? Or do you think this is lined exactly where it needs to be? I think the line is almost exactly perfect. Um like I, I would frankly be okay with it being even more heavily favored towards Adesanya. I, I want to give Bobby Knuckles his respect because the man has damn sure earned it. He's really, really good at fighting. He has a variety of skills. Um, but again, man, I just I don't see an avenue for him to consistently create offense, and that's that's like a huge problem. Like it's outside of what I believe is a stylistic problem for him. Like just there's a physical problem for him. Like Adesanya just has such a bigger range to work from. And so it's like, I just don't see how he can consistently create offense enough to win three of five rounds while also fighting against his natural impulse to do stuff. Because that's like a real Robert Whitaker thing is he will, he will get antsy in a fight where if, if not enough things are happening or if he feels himself falling behind, he'll start, trying to force the action and he did that to like the nth degree the first fight against the Disney where it was partially that and partially him just I think being angry and wanting to hit him and he kept not hitting him so then he would try harder to to rush forward and hit him and instead he just got countered into the next realm so I it is really hard I think you could make Adesanya a favorite a bigger favorite but that line's pretty good uh as far as you know still giving Still giving Robert Whitaker his respect for all that he has accomplished. Jose Youngs, are you with us? I hope so. Yes. There all right, he you're is. back. You're back. Literally, you're back. I literally refreshed the page, so I turned it off and on, and it works. Amazing. So let's keep our fingers crossed here. I'm curious in your mind who needs this fight more because on one end, there's Adesanya and this quest for greatness and – the champion and he has all these aspirations of going back up to 205 and fighting six times in a year just sign this massive new deal and on the Whitaker side at least this is what he says win or lose he'll be happy he'll be satisfied if he gives his best effort on Saturday but a loss certainly would sting for the legacy so does who needs this fight more do you think it's Adesanya or does Whitaker need it more 
Well, if we're talking wins and losses and treating mixed martial arts like a sport, then the answer is Robert Whittaker because he'd be down 0-2 to the reigning champion. And like all of us have said, it's Israel Adesanya, Robert Whittaker, and then a big giant gap, and then like Jared Cannonier and Derek Brunson. So if Robert Whittaker is just stuck at number two and he's not going to fight for the title again um, if as long as Israel Adesanya holds the belt, and we all agree that no one else in middleweight is going to beat him unless that person's name is Israel Adesanya, the answer is Robert Whittaker. In terms of like pressures of like winning and losing a legacy, I don't think either man has any sort of pressure on their shoulders. I think uh, what rings true with what J.J. Reddick said on the first take when we are talking about LeBron James and Kevin Durant feeling pressure for their legacy is exactly the same thing here they both have titles their legacy is set in stone they can't erase that they were champions so i don't think they they feel any sort of pressure at that point but just wins and losses and being able to climb that mountain to the title the answer is robert whitaker no one wants to be down 0-2 and not be able to get fight for the title as long as the best middleweight on planet earth maybe ever is holding the strap john can you make the argument that adesani needs this one more with everything going on I mean, I think you can make the argument that both of them needed an equal degree, right? Because for everything Jose just said applies. I mean, you don't want to get stuck in the Joseph Benavides zone where you're just kind of, you know, you're not, there's no path to the title for you when you're that second best guy in the world. That's a really tough spot. It seems like only Max Holloway has really been the person to be able to break through and get a third fight when he, someone is in that spot. Uh, so you certainly don't want to get stuck in that spot if you're Robert Whitaker. But for Izzy, it does feel like we're sort of on the crest of something, right? Like it does feel like this guy is really at the precipice of becoming sort of a transcendent star, maybe not to the degree, obviously not to the degree of like a Conor McGregor, but probably to that secondary degree where, you know, he's going to be making big money per fight. As he said, this, this deal is really nice for him. He's enjoying it. Uh, he, he's going to, he's breaking through on different mainstream levels. He's, he's, you know, doing voice acting and all this other stuff. Izzy is starting to get to that point that a UFC champion, a dominant champion gets to occasionally where they have their fingers in so many different little pots and there's so many different little investments and businesses and opportunities around for them. If Izzy can keep it going and Izzy can have a year where he could defend that title one or two more times and really establish himself unquestionably as, you know, one of the best middleweights we've ever seen, he becomes that he becomes a next level star that we just we rarely get in this game. And so that's sort of on the line here. I mean, Robert Whitaker is probably the hardest test that Izzy's going to have for the foreseeable future, I mean, I, after this one, if Izzy's able to get past this one, I just don't see many challenges out there uh, in that middleweight division currently as it stands that that poses this kind of test to Israel Adesanya. So certainly there is pressure on both of them, and I think you could make the argument for either one in that regard. Jed, you had that look on your face after Jose spoke, so go ahead. Unleash. Oh, well, I was, my look was a reaction to Jose blasphemously saying maybe the greatest middleweight we've ever seen. We talked about that yesterday. It's obviously nonsense. Uh, and I love Breach. both my coworkers, but uh, they're insane. Obviously, Bobby Knuckles needs this more. You've made compelling efforts to try and argue for, for Israel and you needing it, but like, no, it's just Robert I Whittaker. Said Robert Whittaker. I said Robert Whittaker needed it. Yeah, but then you also said that that is, he might be the greatest middleweight ever, and I forgot everything you said before that because it's such an outlandish <laughs> statement. I can't take you seriously. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> no, this is obviously – obviously Izzy doesn't need this as much as Bobby Knuckles because if he loses, he gets an immediate chance to get it right back. So, sure, losing isn't good. No one's here to say that, but he can take this L, whereas it's real tough for Robert if he takes it. All right, time to officially lock in the picks. We'll begin with you, Jed. You've been an open book about this, audio, visually, in articles. But let's put it out there again, buddy. What you got? I think Israel Adesanya is going to win. Probably it's either a decision or uh, fourth or fifth round stoppage. I'll say fifth round stoppage uh, because Whitaker, in my head, Whitaker just gets antsy knowing he's behind and he tries to make something happen and then just runs headlong into counters like he did the last time. So fifth round KO for, for the champion. John. Yeah, I have to go with Izzy, too. I mean, it's just hard to see that, as Jed said, this is just a really tough stylistic matchup for Robert Whitaker, man. I mean, Izzy is everything his that Robert's kryptonite is. You know, he's going to sit back there. He's going to counter. He's going to take advantage of that aggressiveness. And I just don't think Rob has the type of wrestling that's able to really stifle Izzy to any degree uh, that's going to make this a, a compelling case for Robert. I have to see Izzy win in this one, maybe not as, as decisively and quickly as last time, but I could see something that's similar to like a third or a fourth round finish for Izzy. Jose. 
Yeah, I'm going to pick Israel out of Sonya, too. I'm very curious uh, what the actual game plan is going to be this time, if it's just carrying over from the last one, because let's not forget, uh, when I went on his own YouTube page, he was talking about, he was reflecting on the last fight, and apparently they had put together a game plan that they thought was essentially going to lead to a perfect game against Robert Whitaker. And the second that Robert Whitaker, quote-unquote, wanted to go 10 toes deep against Israel Adesanya, Izzy's like, F my game plan. I'm just going to throw bombs at him until he goes to sleep. And that worked out real well for him. So if he still has that game plan in his back pocket and he has three more or how 15 more rounds of data on Robert Whitaker or however many five-round fights that was, uh, I think this Izzy's game planning and fight IQ is incredibly not no one speaks about it enough in terms out he has obviously elite level striking and everything but he's on that level of john jones where he can adapt like very few can so i think izzy with even more data on robert whitaker is going to put together just a master class on game planning but i say that i pick izzy but robert whitaker i think has a very high chance of winning as well i'm not just saying to say it's going to be one-sided beat down i'll tell you the game plan he's going to kick the crap out of robert whitaker's legs jared kennedy kicked the crap out of bobby knuckles legs and israel mm-hmm. this is better at doing that he's just gonna chop him up i have very little technical information to back up the words that are about to come out of my mouth gentlemen but sometimes <laughs> i love it for better from or for the worse, gut, my mind races and i get that feeling in my gut and, and i have one with this one I don't have any earthly idea how this is going to happen and how it will actually look on television tomorrow, but I see a very close fight, a very fun fight, one that is ultra competitive and one that will be up in the air heading into the final round. And when the final horn sounds, Bruce Buffer looking dapper, probably a purple and red suit. It's like multicolors, just looking glorious is going to get on the microphone. He's going to say the winner by split decision and new UFC middleweight champion, Robert Whitaker. And I have a feeling that we are going to be sitting on the the post-fight show reading off the scorecards because this one might be a little controversial. This one might get a little Texas-y, if you will. Maybe it won't be. But I'm going with Whitaker to regain the title in a really good fight, and I think we're going to set up a massive trilogy maybe in the summertime. But I don't know. I just got that feeling. I got that feeling. I don't have that Juliana Pena feeling, Jed Mishu, but I got a feeling that uh, something weird's going to happen tomorrow night, and we'll see what happens. We're this close to crowning an NBA champ, and with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N. 
atlassian.com. Atlassian. Let's go to the co-main event because Derek Lewis is about to fight Tai Tuivasa. And Sean, I want to start with you here because I have made this argument that this isn't a good co-main event. It's not a great co-main event. It's a perfect co-main event because you could put okay. this fight on any card as a co-main event and it works every single time because the stakes are high. Neither fighter really cares that the stakes are high. A win is great for both and a loss probably hurts neither. And plus someone is probably going to be posterized in this fight. Someone's going to take a short nap into the realm of unconsciousness. It's so facto, Sean, perfect co-main event, right? I mean, it's hard to argue with that, right? You have I like the way, the way Tai Tuivasa sold this to us when it initially got booked, which is just like we're the we're the fun in the heavyweight division. We are the two most fun guys in this division, and he's totally right. Like, just in terms of who you'd want to hear from interview wise, just personality wise, who you'd want to go get a beer with. Like, these are the two guys. These guys bring so much fun to this division. Knockout artists through and through. Everything about their personalities is great. Uh, and, and I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if Houston actually boos Tai Tuivasa. Because, like, that's a step – that's almost like a step too far. If you get to the point where you're booing tied to Ivasa, like, something really interesting is happening. I know Derek Lewis is the home, is just Houston's guy. But, come on, you can't boo Ty as well. I love everything about this. I hope there are shoeys all, going on all over the place. I hope we can avoid the cuppy. That feels like a step too far. That's the bridge too far. That's the, the line must be drawn here meme. Like, that's it right there. We need to step back if that's where we've gotten with this whole thing. But ultimately, like, this, everything about this matchup is fun. Uh, it, it, I don't see any way this fight could be boring, the way these two guys bring it. I, I can't wait. I, I love this booking. Jed, even Dana White was asked about this fight at the press conference, about the stakes and, and whatnot, and he was kind of even in the mindset of, well, this guy is number three or whatever he's ranked in those non-factor of a ranking system that the UFC has. You know, this guy's 11 or whatever. Yeah, it's a big fight. But is it a really big fight, Jed? Because with everything going on in the heavyweight division, could something memorable change the way the UFC is looking at the top of this division? In other words, could these guys be fighting for the chance to fight John Jones next with Nganu planning to go under the knife next month? Are the stakes actually higher than a lot of people think it is outside of this just being a really fun, awesome fight? That's a really good question. I don't know. Uh, probably not, but they could be. So I think this, I guess the stakes aren't high because neither man really cares. And so really stakes are largely determined by the two parties and how much interest they have in outcomes. And I don't think either man is going to lose much sleep with a loss or, or win here. It's, it's going to be pretty even keel, but there's a real world where a win for Derek Lewis gets him a heavyweight title shot. Like that's very much in play. Uh, obviously heavyweight is a cluster of things going right now, but Ngannou just defended his belt. He and Lewis fought before Lewis has the win over him. Uh, I know Ngannou's going, going to get surgery and frankly may never fight in the UFC again, but if he does, if John Jones still one. It's never safe to just bet that John Jones is going to keep everything on the level and make it to a fight night that hasn't even been booked. So like totally a world where John Jones is not a factor in the heavyweight division. And if that's the case and they somehow bring Ganu back, do they run it back a, a trilogy fight with Stipe? I know certainly Stipe would want that, but is anyone else clamoring for it? Like if Derek Lewis comes and just clatters tied to Ivasa here, Maybe that's what ends up happening later this year if they can bring Ganu back. There are just so many balls in the air that the stakes here, if either man cared, the stakes probably would matter more than they would normally because the division is kind of open with a champion who may well never compete again in this organization with an interim title very likely to be made this year. Like A win is pretty important uh, if for both men except for the fact that they're just doing this to do it. They're doing this for the love of swanging and for the love of banging. And we're going to get both of those. And so it's going to be great. It's a great time. What do you think about that, Jose? I mean, neither fighter really cares about the stakes. They just want to go in there and fight and have fun and go home and do birthday, you know, activities at home and stuff. But are the stakes really high here? Like, are they really high? Like higher than it's being like kind of laid out? Probably not. I think France. I think Steve Amiochi is going to fight John Jones on one of the two July cards. So 
I don't think a title shot is on the line for either man right now. I think the winner of this is just going to fight the winner of Volkov and Tom Aspinall in London because those are four heavyweights that all happen to be fighting around the same time. Uh, if you remember, Derek, uh, Dana White did this huge speech about how much he loves Houston, Texas. So the second that ended, I look over to our – our, our friend Oscar and Oscar just goes, well, we're going to be back here in a few months, I guess, which means Derek Luce is going to be fighting someone on that card. And if you just look at the rankings of who he's fallen, who's available, he's probably either going to rematch Volkov or fight this young gunner named uh, Tom Aspinall uh, in Houston, Texas again. And John Jones will probably fight Steve Bain international fight week. So that's what's going to happen in the heavyweight division. We shall see, but uh, back to you, Jose, this is the fight you wanted to see. So how mm-hmm. does it play out? Yeah. Let's not pretend that Ariel brought this fight into the world. Let's look at December 2021. A young gun named Jose Youngs tweeted that and it got a lot of interaction. So uh, we're going to end this. Ariel made this thing happen. I made. No! Uh, oh! You made it happen so much that your audio is gone again. Unreal. Big Ariel is getting involved. Yeah, Ariel is Ariel's pushing the button. Goodbye, Jose. And then he just kicked him out of the room. Jed, your pick, your selection here. Oh, we're picking who wins? Yeah. Oh, Derek Lewis is gonna win. Um there's a world where Tatu Voss can win this fight, but like I don't think that's a world we're gonna live in. Like if Tatu Vasa fights really smart and just kicks Derek Lewis in the legs a bunch, he could probably win it. But he's not very good defensively, so he's going to get hit. And if I'm if I have to bet on a guy getting hit by Derek Lewis and not being made unconscious, I'm not going to take that bet. So, oh, yeah, Tatu Vas probably getting knocked out probably pretty early. Jose, are you back? No, Sean, your pick. <laughs> Jesus, uh, I mean, I, I've, I'll say the same thing I said a couple months ago when Derek Lewis was fighting Chris Dawkins, where we have eight years of data on this at this point. This is this is not the fight that Derek loses. Lu- Derek Lewis loses. That's hard to say fast. This is just not the fight he loses. He wins these type of fights against these periphery guys. The fights he loses are the guys who are the number one, the number two, number three in the world, that type. Derek Lewis otherwise beats everybody else in this division. We've seen it for eight years. This is no different. It's going to be, again, fun to see these gentlemen swing and bang. It's unfortunate that one of these guys has to lose, but it does feel like this is one of those fights where tied to Avasa, gets his momentum gets shut down a bit. He, he tumbles down the ladder a bit, and he'll have to restart his climb. Am I back? You're back. Am I back? I have literally no idea what's happening. Derek Lewis is going to make Ty Dewey Vasa eat himself, and that's what's going to (laughs) happen. It's going to be real quick. Have you guys never watched, listen to the Grange podcast? Robert Whitaker's old podcast? He was like talking with his old coach, and he's. Yeah. And he's just like, they were having like this conversation of who would survive better in the wild, and his coach is like, I'd make you eat yourself. That's how much, how more equipped I am to survive in the wilderness. So I thought that was a fantastic line. Uh, Derek Lewis is going to make Tai Tuivasa eat himself. And that's, what's going to happen. <laughs> Tuivasa at dog money looks a little delicioso in a fight like this, because you get two heavy hitters. Wow. Tai, Tuivasa. If you like losing money, money, sure. <laughs> Listen, you got two heavy hitters where anything can happen. Usually, especially in this division. Like I didn't think that way about Chris Dawkins. Like, no, no disrespect to Chris Dawkins, but I feel like Tuavasa is a better matchup for Derek Lewis than, than Chris Dawkins was. So that's just me. Derek oh, Lewis man. is so fun. Listen, oh, hold on. Let, let me say what I have to say, and then you can judge me on this because I thought about this quite a bit. Derek Lewis is so much fun. He's a very powerful, he's a scary dude, and when he hits you clean, it, it the night's over. I have a feeling that, and I was right, that even – like when we go to our Slack channel and everyone's making their picks, I f- have a feeling everyone's going to pick Derek Lewis and there's nothing wrong with that at all. And if you put me in like the winner circle of a hundred thousand dollar pyramid type situation, someone gives me those two names and I have to react within a second. I'll yell Derek Lewis 99 times out of a hundred, but consider this the 100th time gentlemen, because the Houston factor worries me here a little bit. It worries me. He's fought in Houston three times. Cyril gone fight. I know the pressure. He's talked about it a lot, but that pressure is real. And I think there's a little more to that than, than he says the Alir Latifi fight. Derek Lewis won, but man, that was a tough fight to watch. That was one he really had to grind out. And then he has a KO win win over. Yes, he won, but still then he (laughs) KO'd Victor Pesta 
who would went on to get finished in his next two fights in the UFC before he got released. But oddly enough, that dude is still fighting and he's won eight of his last 10. So there you go. But uh, I think the Houston thing is going to make it is going to be the slight difference maker here. So give me two of with an upset, maybe a cuppy who the hell knows. I love it. I love the energy. Couldn't be more wrong, but I love the energy. Yeah, it's a close fight. It's a close fight. Two bangers. I don't like the Houston factor. Now, you put this in any other city on earth, and I might have a different opinion on it, but the Houston thing worries me from a, from a pick perspective. But that's the only thing that worries me here. Before we go to low-key banger in question, Sean Elshadi, Derek Brunson and Jared Cannonier are fighting in a title eliminator tomorrow night. I swear to you. These two guys are fighting in a number one contender fight tomorrow night. Shot, is this the most, if a tree falls in the woods, number one contender fight that we've seen in recent memory in the UFC? Because this is getting no energy from the promotion at all. Uh, I mean, it's not surprising, right? Like, I, I don't know if this is the most in terms of recent history. I feel like there have been some low-key number one contender fights that we've definitely seen. But this is up there. Uh, and it's not surprising, though. I mean, we, we've seen it. The UFC has been very slow to get on the Derek Brunson train. He may have he may have headlined the last three shows that he's been on, but he was sort of the B-side on all of them. He was kind of getting thrown, thrown out there like, hey, maybe this up-and-comer or maybe this guy who needs a rebound fight will be able to beat Derek Brunson and start building his name up. And, and Derek just keeps fending him back and – telling the ufc to go f itself so you have to love that but just in i mean jared cannonier is the same type of guy though right he's not going to be the guy who grabs all the headlines he's not going to be the guy who cuts like some 20 minute interview that you must watch so they're in similar positions also it does have one of those feels of of a almost like a valentina shevchenko-esque idea of like are either of these guys really going to challenge Israel Adesanya if Izzy is the one that ultimately comes out of this Saturday ahead? Like Izzy's already beaten Derek. I know it's not this version of Derek, but he has beaten a younger version of Derek. And I don't know. I mean, Jared Cannonier fight is certainly interesting, but I, I would pick Izzy to win that. And I think most everyone on this panel would as well. So I think there's some element of that as well. Uh, but ultimately, it's still a good fight. Like Brunson Cannonier is a great fight. I'm excited for it. And, and as you said, there's it's rare that we get – a number one contender fight to this degree where we actually know for a fact, like, Hey, the winner of this is definitely going to fight whoever wins, you know, the main event. So you have to love the cleanness and the tidiness of that as well. Jed. Yes. We, we have seen in history that some of these number one contender fights are under promoted, but outside of the flyweight division, this seems a little out of the norm because both flyweight divisions, they'll throw those fights in the prelims and nobody even talks about it, but not much happening with this one in terms of hype. Is there? No, not at all. Um, I mean, I think that the, probably they originally were just going to have this be the co-main here, and then it would naturally draft off that, uh, off the main event, off Izzy, but then they decided they wanted to bring Derek Lewis to H-Town, um, and now he's the co-main, which feels pretty right to me. So it's kind of where we are. I think Sean probably nailed it. You know, they're just not that invested in either guy. Um, at, at the UFC probably wants Cannoneer to win this, but I don't think they really care all that much. So they're not putting a lot of effort behind it. So there are some changes to the card and the lineup because the weigh-ins were super dramatic. William Knight with the record-setting 12-pound miss. That fight is still going to happen with Maxime Grishin, although it's now a heavyweight fight. So I think William Knight is kind of lucky that he was a light heavyweight or else this fight was definitely not happening. And Alex Perez misses weight. So his fight with Matt Schnell is completely off. So replacing that fight on the ESPN prelims was a main card fight between Kyler Phillips and Marcelo Rojo. But wait, Mike, that was the main card four fight main card. No, 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 no. Because Alexander Hernandez and Renato Moicano is now on the main card after everything Hernandez said this week and the beating that man took all week. What a turn of events. Incredible. So there you go. Good for you, Alexander Hernandez. And good for for Renato Moicano. And good for the UFC for getting that one right. Because that fight deserved to be at least on ESPN, in my opinion. But Close mouth, don't get fed, Mike. Like, <laughs> that's, that's just it. Right. <laughs> Completely agree. Jed, we got your low-key banger yesterday. But uh, Jose, what stands out to you? My fight, fighter storyline. You picked that fight? Oh, you picked Perez Schnell. That's right. Oh, no, we get to get you a new one, but we'll go to Jose first. That's right. Jose. Uh, I'm really excited to watch the UFC debut of Blood Diamonds in the very first fight of the night. Uh, I got to spend a little bit of time with him on Fight Island. I actually interviewed him and Carlos Ulberg together. 
uh, with after the city kickboxing interview I did with like all the actual UFC fighters and Carlos Oliver was basically saying like, I'm ready to go right now if a light heavyweight gets hurt uh, or if they need me on a contender series fight. And then like the week I got back from Fight Island, he had already booked a contender series fight and uh, Blood Diamond was saying the same thing. He was keeping his weight down. And even if it was a middleweight or a welterweight fight, he seemed to be down for whatever. Uh, the man also has, if any, if, you, if anyone listening, I'm sure all you guys know, he his calves like rival Saquon Barkley's calves, and they are just a thing to behold. So I would never want to be kicked by that human being, especially a human being named Blood Diamond. Uh, fellow Weeb <laughs> used to walk out in the Akatsuki garb uh, when he was fighting in uh, Asia. From everything I hear from uh, the city kickboxing team here in Houston is that they are more excited to hear the broadcast and Daniel Cormier break down blood diamond striking because of how bizarre and unique it is that I asked them like can you compare it to anything and they said there's nothing there's no one on the UFC roster that you can compare to blood diamond uh so I'm very excited to that he's a kicking open the main cards because then I can go out and watch that fight uh but yeah Carl Solberg and blood Carl Solberg's obviously a, a young exciting fighter light heavyweight too but I'm very very intrigued specifically about blood diamond just from everything I've heard from that team that's a very interesting matchup with Jeremiah Wells. That is a great mm-hmm. first fight. What a way to, to get people in the door and, and off of the bank. All right, Jed, what's your new one before we go to Mr. El Shadi? Man, uh, I got to say, I think I actually would have changed my pick anyway from yesterday. I watched some tape on Alexander Hernandez and Hanato Moicano, and that fight's even more exciting than I kind of thought. It, it seemed fun anyway. We talked about it yesterday, but – I, I think Hernandez is going to win because he's just a better athlete, but Moicano is really pretty good at fighting, and I'm not sure he gets gets the respect for kind of what he can do as a top-position grappler. Good leg kicks. I, got, I think that's just going to be a really, really good fight, so I'm stoked. I'm happy it's on the main card. Yeah, that's, that's one of those fights where if you asked anybody about it, you could kind of break it down intelligently, but you can't predict the outcome. It's just really tough because – their styles blend together in such a unique way. It's a really good fight. Sean, what is yours? Yeah, Jose kind of stole my thunder a little bit because I have to agree, Blood Diamond, A, the the name. I mean, God, that's such a tremendous fight name. Like, can, that's top, top tier in terms of fight <laughs> names. Like, the fact that you're – like, that's not even his real name. The fact that he's able to no. get people to call him Blood Diamond is just – Wait, it's not yeah, his real tremendous. name? I don't I have it, do but, like – I don't have it with no. me, but, like, the official bout no. sheets they hand – <laughs> oh, we lost Jose. That was like the time I most wanted to hear what Jose was about to say. Am I back? Am I back? All right. He's back. He's back. He's back. Something's going on in my headset. I don't know why, but like the, the official bout lineup they gave us at, at Wayans, it literally it didn't have his real name. It just said Blood Diamond like versus That's Jeremiah Wells. I'm like, I'm there. That's like zombie level. Like no one calls him Chan Sung Jung. Yeah. It, yeah, it's when you can get to that place where your nickname is just your real name. Like that's amazing, man. His name is Mike. Like Mike is yeah. so much worse than Blood Day- Diamond. I, I love it. Uh, but to, to actually answer the question, sorry, Mike. Nah, Mike catching, catching strays. I'm just saying, if if Blood Diamond was hosting this show, it'd probably be a cooler show. Like we would <laughs> up the viewership. That's not even a stray. That's a direct shot. <laughs> I need a hug. I need a hug after this freaking preview show. Continue, sir. I love you, Continue, Mike. I love you, Mike. I know. Um, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You should maybe think about changing your name. Uh, <laughs> Roxanne Modafferi is the answer. <laughs> I mean, Mike could get away with Blood Diamond. Come on. Look at that guy. Uh, Roxanne Modafferi is the answer for me. I mean, this – it's been cool to see this week because I know I know when that fight was announced, obviously it's her retirement fight. She's been in this 20 years. It feels like that announcement kind of came and went without a ton of fanfare. And so it has been cool this week to see people from all walks of this industry celebrating Roxanne Montefiore, who she is and what she's done. We even saw Izzy do it on Media Day. Uh, and I, I absolutely love it. I mean, this is someone who there is not many OGs left in this game. In fact, there's very, very few. And when you say OG, you mean somebody who's in this thing from the beginning. And Roxanne was in this thing from the beginning. She was in this before women's MMA existed. She was one of the original originals, like the pre-Misha Tate era, that type is what we're talking pre cyborg era even like Roxanne was one of the actual OGs and the fact that she's still in this 20 years later fighting in the UFC after all these time after all this time still at the highest level fighting obviously the matchup is a tough one Casey O'Neill but just to be able to see Roxanne walk away on her own terms 50 fights the most fights ever for a woman in, in, in 
mixed martial arts. Uh, it, it, we've seen her pull big upsets before off against Macy Barbie and uh, Macy Barber and and you know other prospect type of fights like that. So you can never count Roxanne out, but just to have Roxanne exiting this weekend, it's been cool to see everybody celebrate her. And to me, I mean, I hope you know she goes out with a, a performance she can be proud of. Well said. That probably is the correct answer, if we're being yeah. honest, and deserves to get as much shine as possible. But I will say just from – let's just go even more low-key on the card. Ronnie Lawrence, Mana Martinez, that's just going to be bonkers. That is going to be a really fun fight. Ronnie Lawrence is a absolute mauler, and then Mana Martinez is just super, super scrappy and fun. So expect a lot of chaos at 135 pounds before heading over to ESPN. Casey? We're tagging you in. Let's go to the peeps. What do we got going on here? To the peeps. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> Oops, that's too small. Uh, mixed perfection. Do you see the UFC possibly giving Derek Brunson a shot at the title with the win after he made those retirement comments? So, Sean, very interesting thing that Derek Brunson had to say. He said, basically, title, no title, wins, losses, doesn't matter. Two more fights, and I'm piecing out of this thing. Do you think that affects him here? Like, if you're Sean Strickland, are you hoping Derek Brunson wins this fight? No, I'm sure he's still. If he wins this fight, he's still going to get that title shot, regardless. Unless it goes to, unless Rob wins and we go to a trilogy, it'll still go to Derek. But th- come on, man, what are you doing? Like, that's not the thing you put out here. No, if, you, if that's the if that's the way things are going to go for you, you keep that inside. You internalize it. You tell your team. You tell your family. But you do not tell the UFC, and you definitely do not tell the public in general like that. Like, come on, they you they. We know how much they hate it when guys drop titles after they get them. You do not need to be telling the UFC and us that, Derek Brunson. Jose, you were there. How did you react? Were you like, huh? What? Yeah. The second he said that, I was like, well, he's not getting the title shot. Uh, we just saw how much <laughs> of the dog. We just saw see how much in the doghouse Henry Cejudo still is. Like, he wants to come out and make history, and the UFC's like, nah, you kind of bailed on us that one time. You're like – you're not in our good graces anymore. So, uh, yeah, I don't think if Derek, if unless Derek Brunson just goes out there and smushes Jared Cannon with a fastball to the face, then if he just wins the decision, I don't think he's going to get the title shot. What do you think about this, Jed? Because I mean, Derek's had a long career. He's fought his ass off to get to this point. He's a win away from fighting for the title and possibly making the most money he's ever made in his career. And then he says these things. Your thoughts on Derek Brunson saying two more fights and thanks for the cheese. I think it was really, really dumb. Um, I, I don't know if they – I hard for me to think they wouldn't give him a title shot even, even with what he said if he wins. But it's – just don't say it. Like that's just a awful, awful, awful decision by him. Like you – you're really hamstringing yourself and it's, I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. I have no idea if he thought that that would be compelling, if he's just speaking his truth, whatever, but it was real, real dumb. And, uh, it may come back to bite him in the ass. I think the only thing going for him is who else are they giving a middleweight title shot to like Sean Strickland? Like I, mm-hmm. I guess maybe, but I don't know. It's not like he blew the doors down his last fight. And we've talked before. I think that there are a lot of complex issues with putting Sean Strickland in a position to be your champion. So I, I don't know. The reality is, is Israel tools up either of them. So it, you can probably just let Derek get his get his last moment in the sun, finally get his title fight, and then walk away after that, and you can kind of move forward. But I, real dumb. Can't believe he did it. It's a good question, right there. Thank you, Mixed Perfection. Uh, They've got Mr. Joseph Boza. Ah, crap, I messed up. (laughs) Joey Boza? Oh, no. It it would just not be a live stream without uh, some some Joseph Boza up up in here. Oh, I lost the question. Oh, let me bring another one. He'll he'll have to wait a second. All right. Do, 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 do. Got some comments coming in. Uh, Noel Garcia, five round war. Izzy wins, but this is going to be like the Kelvin fight. Mark my words. All right. I mean, I think it's going to be a damn good one, too. So I'm with you, Noel. Blood Diamond. (laughs) 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 Just have to go to City Hall. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
on the next show, I need some quotations like the nickname. Hardeep saying, will Adesanya continue lapping middleweight if he wins or will he move up and wait? Okay, so, Sean, we, we heard Eugene Barriman talk about this, that the 205 is not out of the picture for the foreseeable future. I don't think it's something that's going to happen immediately, but it's something they're certainly keeping their eye on. How long? Like, if he wins this and then defends another one, could his next fight after that be at 205 or do you think he just sticks around at middleweight and then literally cleans out the division before he tries to go up and, and make that history again i think it would it would take a confluence of events right i think it would take one is he gets on a nice string of title defenses and we get to a point where the division doesn't have what feels like a clear-cut contender or kind of the, the rest of the division is a little murky of where it's going to lead but also it's going to be what's going on at 205 is there a good matchup at, as, as champion at 205? Is it going to be a big giant guy like a, a Yuri Prohaska or a Glover Teixeira, who I actually think Glover would be a pretty bad matchup for Izzy too? I think Dude, it's a lot of Glover. <laughs> What's that? He'll yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Glover, he's going to take him down and submit him, man. Like that's not that's not a good time for Izzy, I don't think. Yeah, so it does, on top of Glover, kill him. <laughs> Yeah, I, so it's going to depend on one where the middleweight division is, how many title defenses is he's gotten to, if he's able to clear this division out a bit. Um, but two, what's going on at two five? Because one thing that Eugene did say that I found very interesting was, when we do this again, we're going to do it the right way. We're going to take time and actually build up that body to make Izzy a real light heavyweight because we kind of kept him as a middleweight just trying to go up uh, the first time around. So they they recognize the mistake they made there. So whenever they do do this if they ever do, do try this again it will be in a time where the middle eight division can sit for a bit and izzy can sort of build himself back up so i think we're a ways away from that but i mean i wouldn't be surprised if a year or two down the road it happens what do you think jose let's just say by june 2023 will israel adesanya fight for the light heavyweight title mm, probably uh but he also said he, he wanted what like three to four fights this year he thought Last year was pretty lackluster. He wanted to continue lapping the division. He also, like, even before the Jared Cannonier Derek Brunson fight, he said if Derek Brunson wins, like, I'm cool rematching Derek Brunson. Uh, and Jared Cannonier would obviously be fresh blood. So he's already even, he seems down to fight the winner of that even before all of these fights even happen. So uh, I just think he's going to keep lapping the division at this point, even as he has brought it up. Uh, I, I remember him saying uh, the Kamaru Usman Mazadal rematch. Uh, was really motivating for him because Kamaru Usman just beat Jorge Masvidal once and then he went out and did it again. And uh, I know how close Kamaru and Israel are. So I think Israel took that to heart and I think he's very much down to just keep lapping the division and Chase Sanderson Silva as as the best middleweight ever. Jed, is there, any, is there a particular middleweight matchup right now that you really like? in terms of just as a viewer, as a fan, like seeing Adesanya fight anybody is fun. The guy is so creative and just so good and just mentally he's just so strong. But is there a guy at 185 like that could challenge him in the next year or so where you're just like, I'm really interested in this. This could be a really competitive fight and Izzy could uh, could find himself in a little bit of trouble here. I mean, I'm I'm in on the Brunson rematch. I think Brunson's going to beat Cannoneer and I'm down to watch that. Like I... I think Izzy probably does win it. I would probably pick him, but Brunson presents the most interesting test for him among the top middleweights right now for me. Like, sure, I'd watch him fight Jared Cannonier, but if your plan is to kickbox with Israel Adesanya, you've lost. Like, that's you have just lost going in. So, cool. Like, I don't really need to see him fight Jared Cannonier. I'd watch it. It'd be fun. But, like, Brunson will try and sit him on his ass and sit on top of him. He's a pretty good top-position grappler. Like, again, I'd favor Izzy to win, but I'm I'm interested in watching that rematch. I think we're going to get it, and that'll be cool. Uh, other than that, like, you know, there's some other guys coming up. I don't care at all about the Sean Strickland fight. Um, Sean Strickland's bad Marvin Vittori, and Israel had no issues with Marvin Vittori, so I don't see how I'd have a problem with Sean Strickland. But, like... Andre Muniz would be pretty fun in a little bit, but Andre's got a lot of work to do still to even get in that conversation. Uh, I think we're going to get the Brunson thing, and that'll be cool. Here, I think what's going to happen is I think Izzy's, this is his last year middleweight. I think he's going to fight Brunson. He'll fight maybe somebody else by the end of the year because I don't think he's saying it, but I think he wants to be fighter of the year the same way Usman did it last year. Three title defenses gets him that probably. So I think he wants to do that. He'll have, you know, four wins uh, since his last loss with the Victoria win plus winning three this year. And then he moves up to light heavyweight because that will also conveniently allow Usman to move into middleweight. 
and they don't want to fight each other as much as some people are trying to push that narrative. And I think Usman is going to want to go up to 185 to cement the legacy that he has been building, uh, the same way GSB did. So I think this is the last year we get for Izzy at middleweight. Uh, and then he goes up to 205 and takes whoever's there. Uh, and frankly, I'm stoked because watching him uh, go, I mean, against any of the two 205ers, but give me Izzy Yuri Brahashka. That shit is my jam. I'm all about that fight. <laughs> so let's do that damn thing. And then Usman can come up and fight Robert Whitaker for the middleweight belter or however that shakes out. Hey, listen, the timing might be perfect for that fight by the time Izzy's ready to make that move because Yuri's going to be working his way back after he gets submitted by Glover Teixeira in a couple months' time. So, I mean, the timing could actually match up perfectly. I'm not not getting off that bike. I need to see Izzy fight Nasser Dean or Alex Pereira too at some point. Like, those are two. Like, the Alex Pereira fight has the storyline built in there, and the dude is just a machine. Uh, who's he fighting next? Bruno Silva. Like they're giving him just a monstrous step up competition in his second fight. So uh, I, mean, I don't it, want Izzy Lee. It's clear what they're trying to do, right? They they yeah. they don't know how long that this is going to sit around. And that right. you're right. That, that Izzy cannot leave this division as long as he's champion until that rematch happens in MMA. 100%. Like I, I'm all in on that. And I, you could see what the UFC is doing with the matchmaking here. Man, 100%. give me Izzy over that fight. I'd watch the hell out of that fight. But Yuri Izzy's a banger. Fight's awesome. So I'm just happy crazy. Jose brought up um, Nazardine. He's I, very good. I think, yeah, I think I think that guy is very good. All right. Yeah, I like the matchmaking there too with with the Gaslam. I think yeah. that's a that's a good fight. I also watch. Look, I'll just say it. Hamzat Hamzat comes and tools up Usman, then decides he wants a second belt. You think the UFC is going to say no? My they God, don't I don't imagine he go fight Izzy, and I watch crap out of that too. Can you imagine the situation if that dude came and beat Kamaru and then was trying to come beat oh. Izzy? Like that would if that dude beats Kamaru, I'm betting a lot of money on him to beat Izzy. I think that would think out of control. I think Hamzat's I think Hamzat's gonna have two belts around his waist in like a couple of years. Like I outside of Kamaru, I think early next year. Yeah, I think Hamzat beats everyone not named Kamaru Usman right now at welterweight. I have him ranked as number two at welterweight, so I agree. <laughs> AK, sorry. He said it. I don't want to to give you flashbacks, but uh, he said it. So it's amazing what happens when Hamzat is mentioned on a show like this. We could go down a 10-minute rabbit hole about Also, you're welcome. You can put Hamzat on the title now. Views up. (laughs) Let's let's talk about this card in particular because Alex Perez, fifth consecutive bout cancellation. This has got to be the longest consecutive bout cancellation streak, right? It's uh, got to be up there. I I mean – between him and Ian McCall, I mean, it's yeah, tough, tough run for Alex Perez, who just fought for the title in his most recent fight and just can't get back in there. It's wild. Four matchups with Schnell and then the Asker Askarov fight for July. So uh, we'll take Ian maybe McCall one more. Six cancellations in a row. So he's he is knocking on the door. He's the GOAT. He's- He's the Ian McCall, some of those cancellations, too, were very bizarre, if I remember right. Oh, there were a lot of them. Can we talk literally about on this day, on this day, five years ago, Ian McCall was pulled from UFC 208 because he was supposed to fight Jared Brooks, had an issue with the weight cut, and he was pulled today. The day of the card was pulled out of the fight. Poor guy. Unbelievable. Uh, I got a couple of questions on this, but. What do we think about um, maybe from the UFC's perspective about um, Schnell declining to take the fight? I bet they hate him. <laughs> yeah, I bet they're not fans. But I'll, but I, I mean, I don't know can, if that's technical analysis, but I bet they're not fans. Of would, it, but ultimately, what can you do, right? Like it's hip to him. You can't you can't force him into it. Like dude's just being smart with his career. The, the, last- it's the scales of justice. It's the scales of justice because on one end you have. Matt Schnell saying, no, nah, I'm not going to fight him. But on the other end, there is a video going viral right now of mm-hmm. Matt Schnell defending the UFC's pay structure and how fighter pay works. So evens out one, I mean, two wrongs don't make a right, but here we are. I'm sure he's okay out. in the UFC does. I don't, I don't it does It doesn't in our eyes. I don't think the UFC sees it that way. Yeah. I, don't I, don't know. Know. I, think, no idea I think they see where they've mean. been slighted. 
it's a wild thing. Matt Snell's uh, also technically, I know it's considered a no contest, but wasn't that technically a loss at first to uh, Bontarino yeah. Flight Island? Yeah. So, like, losing to Alex, because how many times have we talked about, like, oh, the data shows you come in overweight and fight, like, the one that missed weight tends to win. And we always talk about, is that fair? Like, Matt Snell loses to Alex Perez, who missed weight. He might not have a UFC job. Well, so that's the thing, right? Is because at that point, Matt Schmel, Snell has lost or won one of his last four. Like, it's yeah. a very real possibility that he wouldn't have his job. So he has to know that he's he's been in this game for a long time. Like, he sort of understands the reality of it. And man, like, if if you're in that spot where you're against the corner, <laughs> it's like you're either got to fight this overweight guy, and if you lose, you you lose your job, or you can maybe save it for another day. Like, it's hard to blame him for taking the road he did. Also, because yeah. like Bontarine, Bontarine missed weight in their last fight and he lost mm -hmm. so no yeah. stranger and like a bunch of his cancellations as of late was because he couldn't he was having trouble making weight or the commission pulled him for his his numbers after making weight so i mean he I, you would think in a weird way if someone were to understand where alex perez is coming from it would probably be match now but i don't know only one person could answer misses at flyweight for some reason man or strange division. It is a strange division. All right, one more question. One more. And before we go from this question, just uh, I want to compliment the beautiful avatar from our commenter Azan. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, Man. that is that is. <laughs> Yo, darn side good. note, side note. I walked across the street yesterday to get some tacos for dinner, and there was a man with a full-on monkey just like eating dinner. In, In the taco hungry. shop. Yeah. Oscar, just sitting on his shoulder. Raymond and everyone. Yeah, it was like a little lemur. And Oscar went up to him. He's like, "Can I take a photo with it? Can I take a photo with this monkey?" And the guy's like, "Oh, you know, if you ask, if you get a photo, everyone's gonna ask for a photo." And Oscar, without missing a beat, goes, "You know, you brought a monkey into a restaurant, right? Yeah. Like people are gonna ask no matter what." Yeah, you don't have a monkey to not get asked that question. That's yeah. Like, what do you think is gonna happen, bro? But anyway, did he post a picture? Was it? Hold on, I need to follow up. Was it a real monkey or was it like a lemur? Because those are very different things. Like a monkey is a dangerous animal. Nah. <laughs> oh my god, really? It's it's right when the best stories are about to happen. I don't I don't know what if it was the proper definition of it, but it was like a capuchin monkey thing like Was that you know up on your primate <laughs> genealogy? Nah dog. Nah dog. I like I can tell I know an orangutan and a capuchin monkey and that's about it. Yeah, that's crazy. Last question. Um, Last one. I, here we go. Oh, from the Ice King. If the world oh, was turned okay. into an ice cream wasteland by a bazooka no, armed okay. warlord, what would you do to protect? We're going to start with we're going to start with Jose because this is my question <laughs> from the A side. Sean, obviously, you say, you're like on the show that I've heard you answer this. Before. We've I've asked okay, this hold on, hold on, hold on. Very before you answer. Before you answer, for our podcast listeners. I need you to read the question aloud, okay? All right. From the Ice King, if the world was turned into an ice cream wasteland by a bazooka-armed warlord, what would you do to protect yourself from the dairy-wielding, world-ending madman? So I've asked a very similar... I mean, this is a tremendous question, and I'll tell you what. You can join us tomorrow for the pre-fight Q&A, and we will have an answer, all of us. For this wow. exact question, okay, wow. or maybe Jed and I will save it for the uh, for the prelim pregame at 9 p.m. on Twitter Spaces, where we can ask all sorts of questions and get all sorts of philosophical <laughs> about ice cream and dairy and saving the world and all sorts of different things. But I think at this point, the, so the world is getting so mad. No, man. I'm back, and I t I'll tell Jose you what. So um, before you before you answer this question, Israel Asanya gave the correct answer. For a long time, the the correct answer was given to us by Big E of the WWE. Israel Asanya had the correct answer, but you guys can talk about that another time. Now you're just leaving. Now we just gave you a yeah. big old cliffhanger to to get yeah. ready for the for the ceremonial weigh-ins, which you can check out right here on MMAfighting.com a little bit later on. So we're getting out of here. For Jed, for Jose, is heading on over to weigh-ins. For Sean, I am Mike Heck. Thank you to Casey on the ones and twos. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA.